on quarantine because of the coronavirus yeah that that is something that's happening right now um how are you like realistically how afraid how much has your day-to-day life been changed as a result of this um i would say that like a lot of people are out of my office i would say um the truth is the way that it affects me most right now is just thinking about like how all the things that I wanted to do in the springtime are completely no longer an option. Like going to anywhere that would be fun, like any kind of going out, like to the beach, to the movies, to a play. Um, fuck that. It's done. We're shutting it down. Yeah, I guess the big thing on my side was the I haven't bar even like just to meet people somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's I have no concept and maybe I've just not taken the time to think about this of the long-term impacts because I guess I I guess I have and everyone around me at least like my work environment is treating this as a like a week to week basis sure. as if like, you know, a week or two from now, everything's going to be business as usual. But you're talking about an entire season, potentially the rest of the year, being colored by this virus. That's what I think, yeah. I mean, like, apparently, um, last week in my office, somebody was saying that Governor Cuomo was like, you know, expect this to last six months. Yeah. I mean, they're talking about a vaccine won't even be readily available for at least a year and a half. Exactly. At least a year. A year and a half was more likely. Um, so probably two years. Look, we're looking at five years. <laughs> Minimum. <laughs> um, it's weird. It's just weird. There's a weird vibe in the streets. Everything feels a little bit surreal. Like when your office is sending everybody home, when, you know, people are wear- starting to wear masks around in my neighborhood. At what point did it get real to you? Um, I think it really, you know, when I heard that they shut down Broadway. Yeah. Yeah. Like, cause man, that's pretty serious. It it has to be a lot. The money that pumps through 42nd street with all those shows. Yeah. Every show that's canceled is potentially like hundreds of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Dude. Yeah. I mean, billions, it's a billions of dollars a year industry. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's really hard to calculate how much money in however many industries will be hurt because of Broadway being shut down. In fact, my former job where I used to work at TKTS, like that must be completely shuttered right now. Um, It's really wild. Like there's so many subsidiary industries that like in tourism that Broadway powers. Like I think really the whole engine of Times Square as an economic institution, like just think about it. Times Square itself must be empty right now. If if I if we were to go there, um, it must be like a ghost town because right. that's like normally it's like you're packed in like sardines no matter what time of day. 
and now nobody wants that. Yeah, I mean, have you been out at all in the past? I mean, I have been on a uh, work-from-home basis from my job for a couple weeks now. Um, So I don't really have a strong sense of what the outside world looks like. I mean, recently I did go to a Broadway play before they shut everything down. And it wasn't packed, but it also wasn't like a super popular show that would have necessarily been packed for the time anyway. So I haven't seen any like real tangible effect in terms of like uh, less populated areas that would normally be populated. Um, yeah, I mean, and for me, I, I've just been trying to stay out of those areas. Like, I wouldn't go to Times Square right now if I, if I could. Like, and to be honest with you, it's just been home and work for, for the most part. And they are, I, you know, they're looking into ways to make it so that everyone at my company is working from home whenever possible. Um, and already a lot of people who can are, have moved home. So it's, it's really like last week in the office after the news started to really pick up and the CDC started to put out some real numbers about like, and, and cases started to proliferate in New Jersey and New York, like my office building, like the big finance company office building in Jersey city that I work at, uh, it emptied out. Like it really is like bizarre. So what's next? I mean, I don't, I think that's the big thing, right? Is that who knows? Like it's, it's, I talk to my parents and usually they're like always like, well, there's nothing new under the sun. And I've seen this before, even with Donald Trump getting elected, they were like, look, we've seen presidents come and go. Like mm-hmm. they weren't perturbed and they're, it's not like they're freaked out, but they were like, I was like, so have you ever seen anything like this? Sorry. <laughs> hey, hey man, we're trying to record here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if you're going to go off, no, man, it's all good. Okay. Um, yeah, my parents were like, no, we've never seen anything like this. This is crazy. To basically say that in order to stop this virus, we're going to shut down most economic activity is fucking wild. Yeah. Well, they say that by the end of the year, 40 to 70% of the world will be infected. So it's just going to be one of these things ultimately that's like, Everybody gets it. Yeah, it's just going to be part of uh, our our world population, and us as a as a species will just adapt accordingly. Right? It sounds like it's it's something that's beyond control at this point. We can do our best to contain it, but that time has passed. Yep. And no, that I I knew that this would happen when the CDC like there was a certain point before any were cases were in America, where the CDC put out something being like it's if. It's not if it's coming here, it's when. Right. And we can't contain it. So the people who are in the know have known this for a while. I just also think that politicians, and to be real with you, maybe some corporations as well, have downplayed it because they didn't want to believe, A, they didn't want people to panic, and B, they didn't want to believe that this was going to be what it is. Well, well, even it's, it, it could even be, look, if we can get two more weeks of business as usual maybe that might be enough to right. downplay the truth a little bit longer and make a couple more bucks before right we have to the hard like, times in go. order to be we have to squeeze as much money out of our company right now because right. the hard times are coming right yeah and it's definitely like i know we have a friend who lives in um 
Tennessee who works in a retail environment. And I mean, he's still going to work from what I understand. Yeah, I mean, there there are plenty of jobs that you cannot not continue to go to work as usual. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, but it's also like the you, you can't completely shut down everything. No. Otherwise, um, people will die. Like, And also, it'll hurt the economy even more than it's already hurt. Um, at Trader Joe's, where I used to work... Um, I've been in touch with some of my friends who still work there. Um, and because of this situation, they've established like, they've really established um, unlimited, like you can take as much time away from work as you need to to be sick. Because that's the other thing is there are a lot of companies up until this point who have had a really pernicious sick leave policy. Uh, like really like, well, why did you take two days? Like that kind of thing. And now no one can afford that because if if the pressure is on, people will lie about feeling bad and they'll come in and they'll infect everybody. Sure. And that really fucks your business. Um, So Trader Joe's has put out this like very liberal, like just take as much time as you need. And so what happened is because it's Trader Joe's and all of the very creative and uh, (laughs) like... Trader Joe's is like really great people who work there, but they're also not like they're going to take advantage of something like sure, that. Sure, sure. And so a lot of people are calling out. And also it's at this time, like this is right before everything really shut down this past week when people were anxious and stocking up. So they were, shit was flying off the shelves. At the end of the day, it would look like there was nothing left in the store and they were getting like four, three to four times as much product coming into the store every day as usual. Add to that the fact that you have a lot of people calling out just because they can. And they're like, they're working like 12 hour shifts or something like that. The people who are there are working like for 12 hours at a clip, which is crazy. Yeah. Crazy. I, I don't really know what to say about it. I just am like, I. Like, with coronavirus, I don't even know what to say about it, except that it's bizarre, it feels surreal, um, and I'm we all just have to take it a day at a time, I guess. Yeah, I mean, what I always think about is that there are so many uh, services that people provide that are immediate impact, that one can see A to B and, and completely understand their impact. You're a train conductor right. on the subway, right? Yeah. You come into work and you ensure that a train is running on time so that other people can get to work. It, your value is is obvious. Um, yep. You know, your example with Trader Joe's, I mean, you need stock boys and you need cashiers and you need people running the store right. so that people can get their groceries, especially at times in panic, not just with the coronavirus now, but, you know, any type of like hurricane right. or, or any type of natural disaster. Yeah. The, those jobs become critical. Um, same with police, firemen, um, you know. Uh, uh, nurses, doctors. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Things that have very obvious point A to point B societal value. And then you look at jobs that are, you know, and, and not to be disparaging about any of this, and we've talked about this previously, but sure. there there are jobs that, not to say that they're valueless, but their value is muddled in, in, in the industry that they're working in. For example, uh, 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 being a project manager on hmm. a... Uh, 
uh, on a digital product marketing team right. uh, for a big corporation. Now, that's not to say that that, that person doesn't have value, right. but at the same time, they have a job that if they need to suddenly work from home for three weeks, that's not going to have any material impact on their uh, output or their productivity in in that particular field. Right. So, so suddenly you're in this situation where um, everyone needs to quarantine themselves, work from home, need to adjust accordingly, and and the jobs that are that A to B, that that clear societal function, need to perform as usual, regardless of of what's happening with the coronavirus right now. Meanwhile, like all those other people who have those jobs, would frankly, you know, living in 2020, the latter, the jobs that are the work from home, the ones that are are, are those more muddled jobs mm-hmm. that are. You work from a laptop 95% of the, the time or you're doing conference calls or, or video conferences, what have you. Those are more prevalent now. And, and now those are the people who are the safest. And and it, it, it becomes this like kind of a, a pandemic like this becomes a, a very clear uh, uh, dividing line where you start to see – right. You know who has who has the haves and who has the have-nots, and who who is in a worse situation, and who is not. Who are the people who suddenly, uh, if 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 their entire day-to-day life is changed, it's not going to have any material impact on their income or their work. Right. Versus someone who needs to actively continue to go to a job where their health is at risk. Sure, and I would say that that's definitely true for places like any retail, anything. I mean, obviously, doctors and nurses, that's a given, um, and that's a risk that comes with that job no matter what. But anything where you're you're interacting with large groups of people, like police officers too, probably, um, retail workers, grocery store uh, workers, um, I'm sure there's many that I'm not even thinking of. I texted my the guy who cuts my hair, like, on Wednesday, being like, hey, are you around this weekend? He didn't even text me back. Like, I think he probably stopped... Mm-hmm. Either like he stopped for a while or he just is like was so consumed with what was coming out in the news that sure. like he's like, I don't really have time to deal with this text right now, um, which is a bummer because I'm trying to get my hair cut more often. And, <laughs> and God damn it, isn't it a little bit about me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but there's there's something interesting that I wanted to bring up, which is there's a book that I, I have on audiobook that I, I listened to a little bit. I almost want to finish it now. Because um, it's interesting, but it's a little bit academic. It's called Bullshit Jobs, a Theory. Um, and it's a philosopher who uh, tries to re- notice that phenomenon you were talking about and tries to unpack it. And he basically says that like there's something that's really strange in society, which is the more concrete and direct that a job has on society and like the more you ca- more easily you can explain how this is directly important and does something for people, uh, the less that it tends to pay, yeah, and the less esteem that it's held in in society. And con- like conversely, the more that a job is abstract in its like duties, its role, responsibilities, and and also in the direct impact that it brings to society, it tends to pay more. And it also tends to um, be held in more esteem. Sure. So it's it's really interesting how that is. Um, I have I haven't read enough of it to be to get into like wh- how he unpacks that and where he winds up going with his argument. But just that that distinction alone 
I find really interesting. Um, like, what does it mean? And, oh, the other thing he said is it's more satisfying on the whole, studies have shown, to do a job where you have a direct impact. Um, but also, it's satisfying to make money. So there's that. So what's ultimately more satisfying, according to this book? Is it to have the vocation that that's fulfilling or to have the the, um, right. the wealth? I don't know. To be honest with you, I, I don't know where he comes down on I read the first few chapters, and it was a little dry, so I didn't keep up with it. But I found it interesting. Um, I think it's a personal choice, honestly, what, what's yeah. more. I know that um, for me... Like, it is a disparaging term to call those bullshit jobs. Um, I think that's maybe not fair. Oh, and I certainly wouldn't imply that they're bullshit jobs. Yeah, no, I wouldn't either. I think, but I think it's a provocative title to sell books. Um, but I found the distinction interesting. And I think there is something very satisfying about being like, I move these boxes over here and then people eat. Like, yeah, it's very simple. Every part of, like, the lizard brain can really get it, you know? Um, whereas like with something more abstract, like, you know, sales management, um, it is, it's less on like a visceral animal level clear to, even to yourself, like on a database, you have to remind yourself why what you're doing is important as opposed to having that right away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess, you know, and, and again, it, it's always coming with the caveat of, I'm not disparaging these jobs. Of course. All I'm saying, though, is that if, I mean, if we're... I think we both have them, so we can just say that. Like, sure. We and, both have jobs that would fall on the more abstract side of the and spectrum. If, and if anything, that that almost gives us a little bit more um, uh, clarity into those jobs to comment on them the right. way we are right now. Yeah. But, but, you know, my point is that regardless of how much in our day-to-day lives the esteem of a VP of sales would be right now... Right. When the apocalypse comes, no one's looking for a fucking VP of sales <laughs> to, to get them out of danger. Like, no one's, like, going through the campfire being like, do we have a VP of sales? Right. No, they're looking right. for a doctor. They're looking for a cop. They're looking for someone who has survival skills, maybe, right. like, a, a, a Boy Scout leader or something. Like a, yeah. Something closer to that A to B scenario. Yeah. No one's looking for, like, oh, um, do we have a senior project manager who can help us fight these zombies? Right. Like, it's... It, it, it's just not it's not realistic and and those are the people to, to to kind of continue on that like zombie metaphor sure i see those are the people who get knocked out first right because their skills are so hyper specific to a modern world yes versus skills like uh medicine uh um um, survival skills, uh, physical fitness, things right. like that. Things that have always been important yeah. for millions of years yeah. versus something that's only become relevant in the last maybe 20, 30 years. It's very specific to the circumstance that we're in. Like it might seem like civilization's been around forever, but in the grand scheme of human history, having somebody who can get you some food is, has been a more important right. skill right. for longer than being able to sell something well, which is still like now like this a skill that I like and I'm proud of that I have um, but it's interesting it makes me think about like social studies when I was a kid and learning about how civilization developed and that like really once we had agriculture like once we had food on lock then we could afford to develop more specialized um, roles mm-hmm. and responsibilities 
like then there became like priestly classes and merchants separate from all these other things uh separate from a farmer or like a leader like a king there were all these other like middle classes that popped up um so I, I think there's something very specific to society, especially as it is today, that like you need like we need those like basic fundamental jobs. But our economy has developed to such a point that like that abstraction is very important. Like if you want to make it in the modern if, if it's not a zombie situation and you want to make it in the modern economy, having a more. A grasp on the more abstract skills the knowledge like you could call it knowledge work mm -hmm. um which it basically is right um is super important it's it's a much more lucrative skill because it's much more it's much less readily available and it almost feels like now that you mention it doctors and nurses are in there but it almost feels like they're in a different class right of from not like better or worse, but just like more abstract than a grocery store clerk. Like you have to spend eight years of study to become a doctor or a lot of study to become a nurse as well. Well, yes and no, because I, I, I guess abstract in the sense of the amount of knowledge and study that goes into it, but not abstract in the terms of societal value. The That's true. That's true. Which is more of what I'm getting at is yeah. a doctor heals people. You could say it in three words, right? You know, four words, and 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 done. But like, explain a you know um, a DevOps manager at an IT company or HR. You like, know, yeah, yeah. You can like explain it's... what the company does, but what you do for the company might not be as readily apparent. And and these type of these type of modern jobs that we've been talking about are kind of the gift and the benefit of a flourishing civilized society. Yes. And, and what we're talking about now is what happens when a flourishing civilized society is no longer flourishing. Well, then suddenly the the most valued skills are the ones back at the base. Right. They're the ones that are the foundational skills of any society. Yeah. And this coronavirus stuff, it's not, you know, it's not as bad as a zombie apocalypse, but it is like a shake on the system of like, hey, remember like it, it makes you reevaluate things remember how you, fragile all of this is remember how like if things went south we could all wind up having to like farm or forage for food mm -hmm. like remember how fragile all this is is exactly right yeah which is scary yeah because i like oh, i like amazon <laughs> you know like there's a lot of uh there's a lot of negative stuff about our modern world but there's also a whole lot of positives as well Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, the the thing I keep thinking about is this mix between myself trying to taper any type of panic. Mm. I, I think I've been having this kind of plain middle ground, cautious realism. Sure. Which is which is on the one side understanding the data of look by the end I'm hearing forty to seven percent of the population, yep. but then I'm also hearing the side that goes. I'm I'm a healthy male in his twenties. Right. Worst case scenario, I get it. I am not part of the demographic that would necessarily perish from this. Right. Um I'm also looking at the long term of 
society's going to flourish, like, no matter what. Like, sure, this, this is not going to be the end times of us. It and... would take... It would take COVID-19 mutating severely, like to a point where its death, its deadliness was raised and its uh, its contagiousness was the same or worse in order for it to be anywhere near an existential threat for humanity. Right. It's we're, not close. We're talking like comparable to like the flu epidemic in like the, the 1918s or something. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Spanish flu. Of yeah, 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 yeah. You, no, like it, it would have to be something comparable of that. Something that like we're talking wipes populations and it and has a a high fatality rate it, i think that the spanish flu of 1918 is as is worse as this could possibly get and it could be that bad i don't think the signs are that it's going to be um i think that it's because a lot of people have it and they don't know it um it won't be that bad but i think like if it was like i was just thinking that people have been like comparing Donald Trump's response to coronavirus to President Obama's response to Ebola. And, you know, I, I don't really know enough to get into that, but I would say, like, imagine if it was Ebola that was that contagious as coronavirus is. That would be bad. That'd be real, real bad. That would be like, push the panic buttons, all of them, right now, bad. Right. Um, human existence threat level. Threat level level midnight. You know, I know you haven't seen The Office, but <laughs> threat level midnight. No, that went over. Yeah. Went over my head there. And that's, but, just, that's for but the I hear Office you. fans out there. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, no, but I hear you, man. And I, th I think... I think it's hard for me to feel a type of way about it right now. I think that it's, sure. it still feels kind of early. I think I am, I am still... I am still embarking with a level of entitlement being that again, mm -hmm. I am, you know, a healthy guy in his twenties living in the U S yeah. and in a worst case scenario, I have means to get treatment right for a worst case scenario. Right. So I have the benefit to kind of look at this and go, okay, I understand it's serious, but I'm also like, it's, it, it comes off as more of a big inconvenience to me than like a real threat. Sure. And and that's just complete honesty, like from my point. No, of view. I mean, and I don't, I like, I completely agree. Like, I think honestly, I think there are people who are in real danger from this, but I don't think it's us. And and frankly, I know that you and I both have privileges that make it even less of of a danger for us, like steady employment and health insurance and you know all that office jobs. Um, I think that. Frankly, anybody in our age range who doesn't have an immune condition is pretty much going to be fine. Like worst case scenario, you might have a really bad cold and wind up in the hospital for a couple weeks. Like basically in the research that I've done on it, like you might have a pretty horrendous illness. You might like worst case, worst case, really horrendous illness that they have to like monitor you a lot like and have a lot of interventions and drugs to keep you alive but you would get through it because you're in your late 20s and i'm in i'm 30 like so the people i'm, I'm really worried about my dad my mom too but my dad and my aunts um my dad's 65 my aunts are like a little bit older and a little bit younger than that um my uncle is older by a lot like I'm worried about them because they are 
at risk. Um, my dad is at risk. Like he, I've been having had to tell him like you shouldn't go to church, and he goes to church every day. So he's going to stop doing that because. Oh, is he really going to stop? He's going to wow. stop. So what's the alternative? Um, you know, like is are are priests offering, like no, no, and I, no, I'm yeah. not. I'm, I'm I know. Being com- it I know. sounds like a joke, no, but I'm being I just, completely I wasn't serious. laughing at you. I was <laughs> laughing at what I thought about, which was um, <laughs> there's like in community. There's an episode where somebody gets a, a an iPad on a Segway. <laughs> Honestly, I was thinking something like that. Like, and and I would because there have been like um, video conferences of like uh, of uh, Sunday masses, things sure, like that. Sure. Like it's I've I've heard of those things even before this, so I was right. wondering if there was something like that. I mean, I'm I'm sure it's possible. I could tell you right now, my dad is not tech savvy enough. Yeah, to he's take not advantage. like let uh, me log on to. Yeah, my parents will call me every every like couple of weeks and be like, "So how do we get Netflix?" And I was like, "I'll be like, all right, so which what device are you using?" They're like, "We're on the TV in our in your bedroom or in the living room in our bedroom." It's like you gotta you gotta turn on the Roku box. Oh boy. Oh okay, and like it's at that level. Yeah yeah. So. Yeah. Skyping, they will probably not be, um, as Yoda would put it. <laughs> um, uh, but you know, I, I'm confident that my dad will be fine. Like he, he can pray at home. Um, he watches the Christian cable network a lot, and they like EWTN, the Catholic network. They have masses they show on TV. Like he'll he'll be okay. Um, I'm just glad he's taking that advice. My mom's a nurse. She must have badgered him into it. Um, she was like, I was so upset. He went to mass in the morning, morning mass on a during like weekday. Can you imagine going to church on a weekday? It's psychotic. <laughs> like, that's kind of how I feel about it, too. Like, once a week's not enough for you. You got to come back for more. Um, but anyway... Uh, <laughs> Gotta keep filling as that if tank like, up. as if like, yeah, gotta keep filling that tank up. It's like when you get to heaven, it's like everyone else met the like the bar, but you, <laughs> you went a lot. Oh yeah, I'm really happy with you. Mm-hmm. A lot of gold stars on the chart there. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> if my dad was listening to this, by the way, he would like laugh along with everything up till now, and then kind of he'd like at this part, he just kind of lean back in his chair. And cross his arms and be like, shouldn't joke about that. <laughs> shouldn't joke about that. It's not funny. Um, <laughs> but I, I forget where I was going with that. But he'll be fine. He'll be all right. Oh, he went to morning mass one day. And my mom, was like, and he, there was somebody in the back who was just actively, like, sneezing and coughing. And my mom, like, was like, I could have killed him. Like, there's, like, this, of course, like, how many young people do you think are at the morning mass every day? No, it's going to be at-risk, other at-risk people. Exactly. Who are sick. Yeah, it's a bunch of people in the, like, Mm. it's like coronavirus target. Like, if coronavirus had a will and an intelligence, they'd be like, how do I get to that fucking morning mass? Like, I want that morning mass. Just get so many people all at once. Uh, <laughs> uh, but she was pissed at him and I think at, after that he was like alright I'll stay home fair enough yeah thank god um, 
and he'll now. No, don't thank God. Thank your mom. Well, yeah. both. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but he like he'll send me texts now, being like, "Remember to wash your hands." And you're like, "Oh, thank God, I forgot." Yeah, I was just, <laughs> I've never done that before. I had literally just wiped my hand all over my butt cheeks and was about to go lick them when I got your text. Thank you. Wow. Woo! Disaster averted. I dipped my hand in a jar, and then I noticed after it, it said COVID-19 on the side. It was like just a whole jar of it. And I was about to like stick my whole hand in my mouth. It looked like flubber. It was weird. <laughs> it also behaved like flubber. <laughs> it was dancing. It was doing shit. a dance, yeah. What a movie, flubber. Can we talk about flubber for we a minute? We can absolutely talk about Robin flubber. Robin Williams... I believe it was the 90s. It had to have, it had been, the to 90s, have been the 90s. Right? Because it, it's a 90s yeah. kind of world. Yeah. And <laughs> and that movie. So I don't remember a lot of it other than um, Robin Williams going, it's Blubber. <laughs> remember that? Remember that sound bite in it? Yeah. <laughs> and like, what was the point of it? Did he, was he trying to create a new type of rubber or like? So, uh, I forget a lot as well, but I'll tell you what I remember. I know a movie we're watching next. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Flubber Marathon. Yeah, right. Um, marathon? Yeah, just, just over and over again. <laughs> Flubber. Okay. Yeah, it's no sequel or anything. Just just a lot of it. Um, so I, I, what I recall is that he was working on a, a new type of fuel. Because uh, if you remember, at one point, Flubber goes in the engine of the car, and the car can fly then. <laughs> yeah. That's not how fuel works, but okay. Well, he developed a special engine that okay. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he, he's like a scientist or a tinker. Sure, but, but, but we all know that fuel doesn't determine the manner of transport of the vehicle, right? It's like if you put, if you put, <laughs> if you put jet fuel in a train... It's not going to start flying. Like we all understand <laughs> that, right? We Dep- know. We know depends that depends on the angle the train's at. I think. <laughs> Get that bad boy on a ramp. Let's find out. It's like the end of Back to the Future Part Three. <laughs> I mean, will it stay flying? No. <laughs> no, it won't. It'll be a terrible accident and a huge tragedy. <laughs> But will it fly? Um, but so that's definitely a part of it is that Flubber is in the engine. And there's also a bad guy who wants to steal Flubber and like use it for his own nefarious aims. Either he's like an oil company guy who wants to steal Flubber and keep this incredible technology away from people. The other thing is that Flubber is clearly conscious. In some yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's a huge point that I was about to bring up to you. Yeah. It's both somehow like impersonal so you can use it as a fuel because it's not like torture for this thing to be in the car as far as we know well as far as the movie lets us know maybe yeah. it's this horrible dark secret that sure sure maybe yeah, that yeah. would be the gritty reboot is okay. how it's it's a horrible war crime crime against <laughs> humanity <laughs> to lock this sentient being up in an engine and make a make it fly your car around <laughs> um but but that it's clearly alive and mischievous, um, and it, and it's like alive, but it's impersonal because it splits itself up, and then like it'll join into one big thing, and it turns into like a tiny person sometimes. And one of the things I definitely remember is it puts on a, like a, a 
hula s- skirt and does dancing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's the only thing I remember. From yeah. The movie. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I remember, and you're going to love this, and I, I sounds like you don't remember it, and in which case I'm very happy right now because I get to tell you again, is that one of the things that happens as the bad guy is at the end, I believe, getting his comeuppance, is that Flubber... Oh, that's the other thing is Flubber's very bouncy. So if you if you throw it at something, it like never loses momentum. Maybe that's the whole point of how it becomes a fuel, is it never loses momentum. So it's it's always... Like, it'll bounce around the room, like, indefinitely. Sure. So, um, at one point in the movie, like, it's the big confrontation with the bad guy, right? Robin Williams takes the flubber. He throws it down on the floor. It bounces around the room, ricochets, like, maybe 50 times. Then bounces right into the open mouth of the bad guy. He swallows it. No. It bounces around inside his stomach. He is very distressed. Oh my god. And then the finale is that it bursts out of his pants like a gunshot. Wait. So it, he shits it out. Oh, I, I at high say, speed. I was going to say the back of the front. Like <laughs> 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 No, he shits it he shits out the flubber, but like not like a normal like, oh, thank god I just moved my bowels. Like it shoots out of him. Does he collapse the, and die? He goes like, oh, he doesn't die. He, he probably would be dead. The internal damage yeah, to his body. Probably he'd be really dead. Oh my God. But in this instance, he just is humiliated and defeated by Flubber. <laughs> I wonder where this movie's available. Do you think this is like an Amazon Prime? It's definitely deal, somewhere. Or? We could find it. I got to watch this, man. We could definitely find it. It was one of the earlier CGI movies. Because Flubber is CGI. Yeah, that Toy Story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got a friend in me. <laughs> I mean, that bad guy had a friend in him. <laughs> shot, <laughs> shot out of his fucking asshole. I don't know if that's a friend. <laughs> Look, you. I know a couple friends who would do that for 40 bucks. <laughs> um... <laughs> How did we get on Flubber? I don't know, man. But we're there. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we why don't we just wrap up with some observations here? Sure. Like for example, your new haircut and glasses combination makes you look like Mark Marin. Did you know that? Do 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 you think so? I think so. You got a little bit of a Mark Marin look going on. Is, is that good? It's not bad. That's good. That's not good. bad. It's this worse I mean, looks. Right? The man is literally a celebrity, so there are no, worse people to look like. No, no. I mean, I think that's just. I like Mark Maron a lot. He, his was one of the first podcasts I ever listened to. So, that, of course, you don't look at podcasts. No, he's he's. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a face for podcasting. Um, Classic. Yeah. Classic joke. Yeah. Um, no, I think I think Mark Maron, if he was was to listen to this, and I really hope you do, Mark. Um, I think he would appreciate, like, he's he's got a self-deprecating sense of humor. He'd appreciate the dig at his looks. He actually is obviously a very well-put-together guy. That's a, that's a compliment. I just didn't ever notice that. I never noticed. I was trying to turn. I mean, I've been staring at you that. for the last two hours, so. 
That's true. I was I was trying to place who you look like, and I'm I'm pretty confident you you got a Mark Marin look going. How yeah. about that? Yeah. I'm also a. Do you watch Glow? I haven't seen Glow. I don't watch it either, but I like the idea of Glow. <laughs> <laughs> I like that it's out there in the ether. You know? Yeah, no, it does look like a good show. Yeah, yeah. That's I'm a gonna, I'm gonna great, cut. great I'm, talk. I'm no, that. keep that in. You keep it in. That we both are proof of this show we have not seen and may never see. Oh my god! Thumbs up to Glow. <laughs> Guys, is... maybe watch Glow. We don't know, but we we know what it is. Our our incompetence is embarrassing. <laughs> like it's like what authority do we have? Is it, is it just like? It's because we decided we have a couple of mics that we deserve to... Have you seen Glow? No. Well, here's our opinion on <laughs> how it. About we, how about our podcast <laughs> is just about stuff we haven't seen and whether we like it or not? Sure. sure. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what'd you think of Orange is the New Black? Never seen it. Me neither. I don't like it. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> so fuck off. That's... <laughs> All right. Well, we're done. <laughs> <laughs>